Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn in your Bibles with me, please, back to Genesis chapter 3. We've been talking about true freedom from internal bondage. Every one of us have some degree of a lack of freedom, of bondage in our inner man. Our spirit is inhabited by the presence of the Holy Spirit if we are believers. When we receive the grace of God, the Holy Spirit by faith comes in to live in our inner man, in our spirit man. But there's a lot of work to do because our mind, our will, and our emotions, and even our body are not totally submitted to the Lord. And so there, to the degree that we're walking, abiding in His Word, to the degree that we are not doing that, to that degree there is the development of internal bondage. And all of us have it. In fact, the more you pursue the abiding in the Word of God, don't be discouraged if initially you meet great resistance. Uh, That's normal. And uh, as long as you keep by faith applying that word, the resistance will begin to lose its grip and power. We've been talking now about how bondage is broken and how it got developed. We found in John 8, 31 and 32 that Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciplined ones, my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free if you abide. Stay, connect, and stay connected in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Pastor, why is that? Because Jesus said, John 6, 63, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is full of life and power, able to even do what? Bring about and bring to the surface the thoughts and intents of the heart. In the Word of God, there is residing in that Word the very life of God. And when that life is deposited through His Word into our inner man, then it begins to break the power of bondage. We saw, and we've begun to see now, this is our sixth session, of how bondage develops. There are not many roots to our brokenness. Not many roots. Let's look back now in chapter 3, and I'm going to skip down for the sake of time. To verse 4, God having told Adam and Eve, having breathed into their life the breath of life, and in chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, God blessed them, and he, gave, he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill and subdue. I'm going to give you dominion over everything in the realm I've given you. I'm going to give you dominion because that is my blessing. Because you're walking in fellowship with me, you will have dominion. Remember this, that when you begin to lose intimacy, you will begin to lose dominion. 
When you begin to lose intimacy with the Lord, you'll start worrying about stuff. It'll have dominion over you. When you begin to lose dominion, lust will begin to rise up in your own appetites, and you'll begin to have more defeat than you have victory. When you begin to lose intimacy with the Lord, you begin to lose that connection with the Lord that causes you to win in life. When you, the loss of intimacy is the beginning of the development of all of our, of our brokenness. In chapter 3, we see that God had told them that. And then verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God said, if you eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, you will die. Remember, the only reason Adam and Eve were created and the only reason you and I were created and given life is because we have a loving God who is incredibly in love with you, and he wants a loving relationship with you. But without choice, there can be no real love. You'd only be a robot if there was no choice. So there had to be choice in the garden. When Eve saw that it was good for food and pleasant, it looked and felt like the right... Remember this, that the temptation was... Not just to take a piece of fruit that looked good. Here was the root of the temptation. What the devil's lie was, you can be sovereign over your own life. He said, you, you will not die. God knows that if you do, you'll be like him. You can be God of your own life. You don't have to submit to his plan. He, you, you don't have to submit to his way of, of handling your money or your job or your relationships. You, look, you just do it the way you do it, and if you mess up, just ask for a forget. He, he'll be around. It's okay. Listen, church, sin is not okay. It's a violation of the grace of God. God wanted the best. And as long as they, listen, here's the key. As long as they walked in submission, they enjoyed dominion. But when they decided that they would be Lord of their own life, that they would make their own choices, that they would act sovereign when as soon as they believed the lie, they started acting sovereign. And, and like the Lord told me this week, I said, Lord, show me where there's pride. He said, you're acting sovereign. I said, over what? He said, you're worrying about an outcome over which you have no control. You ever lay, lay awake at night and worry about something over which you have no control? God said, you're acting sovereign like you're sovereign. He said, all I ask you to do is be faithful and diligent in the process of loving and obeying me. I'm in charge of the final outcome. So you see that pride can reveal itself in a lot of different ways. <clears throat> so we believe the lie. We begin to act sovereign and independent. Then we lose intimacy with the Lord. And when we lose intimacy, we lose dominion. We've talked at length about pride. We've talked at length about fear. We've talked at length about, uh, well, let's just go down the verses here. Verse 7, the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened. She gave to her husband, verse 6, and who was with her. Some people think, well, you see, it was all the woman's fault because she had to go coax Adam into doing it. No, he's standing right there with her. Let me tell you something. Adam was more responsible than Eve was for that. Do you know that? Because there's no indication anywhere in the scripture that God directly told Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there is, it is written in the word that he directly told Adam 
And Adam told Eve, he had no excuse. We'll get to that in a second. Now look. So they heard the sound of the Lord God, verse 8, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And God called Adam and he said to him, where are you? We said this last week. It wasn't that he didn't know. He wanted Adam to come to grips with where he was. Can I tell you something? You're never going to get where you're supposed to be till you find out where you are. Until we come to grips and take ownership of where we are. Okay, Lord, this is not her fault. This is not his fault. This is not your fault. This is me. You're not going to get anywhere with God until you take ownership of where you are. Then the Lord said, so Adam said to the Lord, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. See, fear and shame have already revealed themselves. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have, I, have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to? And the man said, you see, God knew that too. He just wanted Adam to take responsibility for his choices. Then the man said to, to God, the woman, see, it's her fault. And then he said, whom you gave me. It's really your fault, God. You're the one that brought her to me. We talked about blame and anger Two weeks ago. They're on the website. They're on the podcast. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? So what we found out last time is that immediately after you started acting sovereign, immediately when that pride began to develop, we lost intimacy with the Lord. And one of the first manifestations of that was shame. Let's review for just a minute what shame is. Shame is a residual. It's a floating sense of disapproval. We feel distant. We feel like there's unresolved guilt and regret, condemnation, insecurity. We feel a sense of being unlovely or even dirty. We feel distant. And even though we have some times when the Lord touches our heart and we repent for a couple of days or we, we have a little revival or something, there's never any long-term connection until we deal with shame. You can have some revival, but you're not going to have resolution until we deal with shame. Because it floats around in our inner man and it always reappears until it's dealt with. Notice what Adam tried to do with his shame. He tried to cover up his nakedness with fig leaves. But I want you to notice something else. Shame is developed through a lack of intimacy, and we said this last time, our tendency is like this. Ever since Adam, you and I are physically born with the tendency to run from the truth. We have a tendency, we have inherited from Adam the tendency, if you don't believe that, look at Romans 5, to hide from the one who's pursuing us. What did the Father do when Adam and Eve violently disobeyed him? Did he close up heaven and say, well, that's it for y'all. 
No more. No chance. Did he do that? Or did he pursue that? Who came looking for who? The Father came looking for them. See, some of you are locked in such shame. You think God's mad at you, that he's left you, he's gone and not to return. And so if there's this floating sense of shame, there's the tendency to try to reconnect through performance. If I can just do enough devotionals, if I can just go to church enough, if I can give enough money, if I can just do enough good things, then somehow he'll love me again. That is a lie from the devil. God is the pursuer. And yet that's our nature. It's our nature to, to believe that somehow we got to do enough good stuff. I wrote it down like this this week. We mistakenly believe that we can somehow earn our way back into God's good graces. And that is a violation of God's grace. It is an insult to him who paid for it at the cross. For us to think, I can get God's favor back by doing enough good stuff is a violation of the cross and the grace of God. God, the Father, was pursuing them in their shame. And although our tendency is to run from the one who loves us and can heal us. He continues to pursue. Shame is a huge intimacy, uh, enemy of our intimacy with the Lord. See, the deceit is we're running from the one who is pursuing us because we don't have a revelation of God's grace. Can I ask you something? What fig leaf are you still trying to cover yourself with? Religion, good deeds, money, kind words. Can I tell you something? The only thing that covered Adam and Eve is when God slew the innocent, an innocent animal and covered them with skins when they left the garden. Can I tell you something? Fig leaves won't break the grip of shame. It takes blood. And it doesn't take yours, it takes His. Will you by faith just call out on the blood of Jesus and give Him thanks and praise and thanksgiving that the blood of the Lamb was shed for you. Your Father is pursuing you. You say, Pastor, you just don't know the shameful things that I've done. We named a bunch of things, and look, you just don't know the shameful things that I've done. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, are you listening? Listen. God gave me this. This is for you. You could not have done anything remotely close to the perpetual damage, the devastating effects that Adam and Eve did, and yet the Father pursued them. Did you know that throughout the rest of history, the Bible is very clear that every one of us born after Adam and Eve inherit a nature of rebellion. We inherit a nature that perpetuates shame. You, I, listen, don't think, 
If you believe that there, God can't break the shame off of you, you have never committed anything remotely close to what Adam and Eve did and the damage that they caused, and yet the Father pursued them and shed his blood for them. Can I tell you something? People say, well, yeah, but God closed that garden and they had to leave. Well, where did he go? He went with them. He didn't lock himself up and say, y'all figure it out on your own. He continued to speak to Adam and Eve. Your father is pursuing you. Shame is an agent of sin and the devil to keep you locked into bondage. And you need to know that your father is pursuing you right now. God, give us revelation. Help us to see your grace. We saw last week in Hebrews 10, 16, and 17 that by the new covenant of the blood of Jesus, he has expunged your sin from the record. Dina reminded me of a wonderful passage and a wonderful truth this week. She said, when we continue to confess something we've already brought before the Lord, it means that we didn't really believe Him and receive from Him in the first place. Stop confessing the same sin over and over again. Your Father is not hard of hearing. (laughs) Neither is He unwilling to forgive His children who honestly repent. Amen. He bore our shame. Yes, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says that, <laughs> that our God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and called us holy and righteous and blameless and beloved and accepted. Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then you're not condemned. Romans 5, 17 says that through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, but through one man, Jesus Christ, righteousness and the grace of God came. So we are to receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness to reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. Listen to me. The Lord Jesus bore your shame. For just a minute, I want you in your own mind to go to the cross. And I want you to see as best you can in your own inner man, I want you to see the pure, innocent, spotless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, sent by God the Father on your behalf. And as the crowd mocked Him, they came up. And listen, those of you who've been involved in sexual molestation, those of you who've been involved in sexual sin, those of you who've been involved in anything that is shameful and you're trying to hide, I want you to know something, that as the innocent Lamb of God was standing there, you were there, He was representing you. And they took His clothes and they stripped Him naked. This innocent man who had never sinned, they stripped Him naked according to the Scriptures. They beat Him with blood and tissue flowing all down his body. 
They put a crown of thorns into his scalp so that blood spurted and oozed. They mocked him and they, they gave him all kind of shame with their spittle and they cursed him with vile cursing, stripped naked before the public. There was your shame being taken right there. Your shame. Your shame was being taken right there by the Lord Jesus. You say, how did that happen? Because God the Father saw you before you were ever born. He saw every choice you were ever going to make and chose you out of his love and grace. He wants you. And he's not going to change his mind because of your shame. God give us revelation of it. He bore our shame. I love the promise of Romans 10, 11. Those who believe and receive from him shall not be ashamed. Hebrews 12, 1, uh, verse 2 says that Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising, looking down. He went through the shame as if it was nothing for the prize that was laid up for him. What was the prize? You. He had heaven. He had the angels. He had the Father. You were the prize. You said, yeah, but he didn't know what I was going to do. He saw everything that you have ever done and loved you and called you and chose you. Don't let shame keep you bound. Take it to the cross. Ask the Lord to give you revelation of Jesus and that cross because you were there. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took your sin and gave you his right standing. God give us revelation of the cross. And also give us, and I'm closing with this, revelation of renouncement. Turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is a principle that I promise you I have never heard preached, but I, I tell you it is the most powerful thing dealing with shame. The most powerful thing is to get revelation of the cross that Jesus took your shame. He saw all your choices. He took your shame. That residual, ongoing distance that's born out of guilt he took it on himself at the cross in second corinthians chapter 3 we see the discussion is about the holy spirit the spirit of the lord where the spirit of the lord is verse 17 there is liberty and then in chapter 4 of second corinthians we find out this therefore since we have this ministry what ministry is that we'll look back in verse 18 with an unveiled face, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the image and likeness of God by the Spirit of the Lord. What's your ministry? It's to cooperate with being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. That's your ministry. That's your ministry, Jake. That's your ministry, Lawrence. That's your ministry, Sandra Joan is to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. You can't transform yourself. You have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He does it by His love and grace. And the more you continue to look at Him in your inner man by faith, through the intimacy, 
See, you lose intimacy, you lose dominion. As you do that, you begin to walk in liberty. You see the correlation there? Liberty comes as we walk. Now look at verse chapter 4. We have this ministry, verse 2. We have, we, everybody say, that's me. We have renounced the hidden things of what? Shame. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. You say, Pastor, I've asked the Lord to forgive me of those things that every time I have the instant replay, I, I feel shameful. And that's good. You need to go before the cross and receive the forgiveness that Jesus bought for you at the cross. You need to receive revelation that your Father's pursuing you. Regardless of how you feel, your Father is pursuing you. There's blood at the altar of heaven that has been shed to cover you. Take those stupid fig leaves off of your own performance and receive the blood of Jesus by faith. But that's not enough to have real victory. See, you've got to go to renouncement. We are renouncing the things that are hidden in shame. Have you brought to the surface before you and God, and have you had a renouncement? You say, Pastor, what is renouncement? The word is ariron, A-R-E-I-R-O-N in the original language, the Greek. It means to speak away by formal declaration. It means to speak off of you by a formal declaration. That is that you lay hold of the truth which comes by abiding in the word and you speak that over that shame. So that means when you have the instant replay of your sin that you've already confessed before the Lord, that you go before the Lord and have a celebration that his blood has forgiven you and covered you and you are holy and righteous and blameless before him in love. That he has taken your sin and given you his righteousness. And that you hereby forsake and you forever say, I will not receive this shame. I was locked in religious condemnation for so many years I can't count them. I mean, I was brought up in such a religious tradition that I pretty much endured the Lord instead of enjoyed the Lord because I thought that every little thing that uh, I was separated from Him when I sinned. See, I didn't have much confidence in the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. May God have mercy on me. I was wrong in believing lies. Religion will do that to you. If you're not careful, you better get into the Word of God. You better listen to the Spirit of God. One day I was walking down the road here doing something, and something just aggravated the living daylights out of me, Lawrence. And I'm not even going to tell you what came out of my mouth. And don't you tell me you ain't ever done something like that. And if you want a goody two-shoes pastor, you better not come here anymore. Because I'm telling you, that ain't the way it is. 
And that old shame began to come back on me. You know, you did that. God, please forgive me, Lord. I'm so sorry. And the Spirit of the Lord rose up right on the inside of me. And he said, your problem was not that that's the way you are. Your problem is that you're acting like somebody you're not. You see how the enemy flips that? Cause, and then the Spirit said, because I want to remind you, my son, that I said that you are holy and righteous and blameless, that you are forgiven and that you are righteous and that you are, that I have covered you. And my word says that if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So you don't really believe me is your issue. So I said, Lord, right here and now, I want to stop this train. All these accumulated years of guilt and shame. So I hereby declare, Lord, when that came out of my mouth, I was acting like somebody I'm not. Because the truth is, I have been recreated in Christ Jesus. I have been born again. My sins are forgiven. You have called me holy and right because I am in Christ. You see me in Christ according to Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. You see me in Christ Jesus. And I hereby declare that I'm not only forgiven, but I'm called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. And I declare that if you say it, that's the way it is. I don't care how I feel or what I say or what I think. That's the way it is. And you know something amazing happened that day in my front yard. The devil, who is an accuser of the brethren, read the book. The devil began to lose his stronghold over my mind in the area of guilt and shame. And my mind began to get reprogrammed with the Word of God instead of believing that somehow i got to go through all this stuff to get right before God. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you right before God. Now I heard recently that there's somebody out in the community that preaching, you don't need to confess your sin anymore. Don't you dare believe that. 1 John 1 says, if we say we have not sinned, we are a liar in the Father, and, and we are listening to the Father of lies. The truth's not in us if we say we don't sin. That's not true. Grace doesn't excuse sin. It empowers us to live in righteousness. Here's what I'm trying to say. Learn and you have got to do this by your own discipline, by your own journey. Learn the power of a renouncement. You got stuff that come back and rehaunts you. You say before the Lord, get in your car, go on a walk, get in your room. Go somewhere by yourself with just you and the Lord and say, Lord, you know good and well that this has haunted me a long time. I hereby declare that on the basis of the Word of God and the grace of God and what Jesus did for me at the cross, I declare that this shall not have another hold on me and then begin to speak the Word of God. I have confessed my sins and I am, I, I am cleansed and forgiven. You have removed my sin from your consciousness according to Hebrews chapter 12. Listen, God, I am standing on your Word. 
So not only receive the cross and revelation of it, but learn to renounce by the words of your mouth. Why is that so important? Because your mind has to stop and listen to your words. Do you know that? Your mind is a runaway train. But if you start speaking to yourself, your mind has to stop and listen to your own words. Words have more authority than thoughts. Why? Because you belong to a speaking God. It's His nature. He speaks. He created by His words. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the Word. Revelation and renouncement. Go on the journey of telling yourself the truth. I want you to reflect on this for just a moment. The first invitation that we have here, the next invitation we have would be the first. But I want to invite you today to just bow your head and go before the Lord and your inner man. For just a moment, I want you to say, Lord, you and I both know This shame has been a long-time companion of mine, and I want its power broken. Give me revelation that you took and bore my shame. And so, Lord, I release it all to you. I can't make it so. It is so. You did it. Regardless of how you think or feel, just begin to give him thanks that he's broken the power of shame off of you. But you've got to refuse to allow it to have a stronghold in your mind. Go on a journey with him and begin to renounce with your own words how he says you are. I want you to know how much I love you and how I'm praying that we will all deal with these roots that we may walk in freedom. We praise the Lord for this time together. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.